Welcome, everybody, to another episode of League One on the Rocks. I am Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. Joined by Brian. You can find him on Twitter at Mediocre Ace. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. I got the audio to work this time, so hopefully everybody can hear me. So Starting won't strong. have anything like last week. <laughs> well, it is a huge night of soccer. We have League One matches. We have Open Cup. I love the Open Cup. You know, I, I'm a big fan of that stuff. Uh, started off the day with an Aston Villa win in, in European play. So big day of soccer. We're going to cap it off with a great episode of League One on the Rocks. We have a ton to talk about tonight. Uh, Brian and I both did plenty of research to dig up some cool stuff uh, to talk about tonight. Um, so we have questions, we have stats, we have storylines. Got a lot coming at you. Um, let's jump into... Oh, we oh yep, we got to start off the show like we always do. Brian, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking this big old gallon jug of water from Come and Go because... It's a scorcher, and I'm not going to dehydrate myself before I go back out there tomorrow. There you go. Smart move. I like it. I am going to be kind of a dick tonight. I don't care. Um, I'm going to go back to my scotch to celebrate the Aston Villa win over a Scottish Premier League team. So there you go. Very fair. I I would expect no less. Yes. Another two fingers tonight. Oh gosh, that smells so good. <laughs> Just something so good about scotch. Mm. What's that? Anchor man quote where he's like, scotch, scotch, scotch. Oh, right yeah. in my tummy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Something like that. Good enough for me. All right, so let's jump straight into the action. Uh, so week 23, we did not have any teams playing twice. We didn't have any bye weeks because every single team played uh, their only match of the week on Saturday. Now, with the new show format, Brian picked his match. I picked mine. We threw out the poll on Twitter today, and it came back with a tie at the very end. So we're not going to do a draw this week. We're going to go straight into the two uh, that tied for first. Um, so Brian's pick was Richmond hosting North Carolina. Mine was Tormenta hosting Madison. And then the fan pick tie was Omaha hosting Chattanooga Red Wolves and Northern Colorado hosting Greenville. So let's jump into the action here. Yeah, there's a lot of playoff implications in that one. Yeah. So Friday night was the... There was only one match that night, and it was the barrel brawl. And one Knox completed the sweep over Lexington with a 1-0 victory. And let's see here. Then we jump straight into Brian's pick with Richmond hosting North Carolina. Mm-hmm. North Carolina picking up the victory on the road. Yeah, and it's it's not something the... Uh... The fans picked in this one because 41.7% of the fans voting in the poll picked Richmond kickers to get the W over North Carolina FC. Yeah. Must have been everybody in City Stadium uh, voting for in this one. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely can sway the vote. Those, those, uh, those fans show up and show out. That's for sure. 
That's just evidenced by their 5,570 attendance. And I mean, again, we talk about this every week, but we'll keep doing it. That is also significantly over their average of this season already leading the league by a big margin, but their average is 4,966. So quite a few more fans out there for a big home home match against the top of the table team. Love to see it. This was a big one too. If you're a Richmond fan and you're wanting tickets to a game, I mean, obviously Messi's not coming to town anytime soon. So North Carolina, when they are coming to town, that's the ticket you're going to want to buy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a top, a top team and one that, I mean, Richmond is obviously NCFC hasn't been great the past two seasons. So Richmond has been, uh, been able to take care of business usually with them, but, um, yeah, this was this was just one that fans wanted to see. So good on him. And Olex Anderson, uh, man, he's jumping out on this one. Sixteenth minute, getting that goal with the assist from Jaden Servania. Yeah, yeah, just a. I mean, what a what a corner kick. I mean, um, coming into the near the near post going away from goal, being able to spin your head and flick it back into goal. Just amazing. Just all great, um, great all around and no celebration for Olex against his former club, keeping it nice and classy. Yep. There you go. And he has scored against Richmond in the past. I think this one was his fourth goal against Richmond. Um, so yeah, even though he scored against Richmond in you know numerous occasions, he still kept it calm. So good for him. Love to see it. Yeah. So they went into halftime. This so this is a little weird because North Carolina was getting dominated with possession. Um, I mean, Richmond looked like the better team. Mm-hmm. Richmond came out with their hair on fire. Like they really needed this win and they came out looking like they really needed this win. Um, one thing that I really noticed watching this match back, um, was just Richmond looked like a a team with a purpose in that first half. Um, granted NCFC also did at times as well, but, um, I mean, Richmond really was just first one to lose balls and the first guys coming in and uh, really trying to put a whole lot of pressure on NCFC, which was, it was working in that first half. I mean, you only go down into halftime, down one nil, um, probably could have been two nil. Uh, They did have one, one goal called off in that first half, almost exactly the same. I think it was probably the same two guys because it was off a corner kick as well and looked like the exact same goal and get called off. So um, Richmond lucky to go into halftime at at uh, only down one, but they still, as you said, Rich, they, they looked like the far superior team in that first half. And this is unfamiliar territory for North Carolina fans because North Carolina has the most points earned from a losing position in the league. And that's coming from the first place team in the league. And they have, I think that, I think the last total was something like 16 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what, like almost a third of your points are coming from a losing position. Now this one, they, 
they started off the the match right and you know started on the right foot got the early goal and carried it through at halftime but um having that kind of knowledge in the back of your head like okay we got to score on them but then we got to beat their ass in the ground over and over and over again because we know that they can come back yeah but if you if they get up on top of you early oof mm -hmm. that could spell danger very much so very much so and it did in the second half, 53rd minute, Oleks Anderson again scoring. Uh, this one, he had a little bit of a subtle celebration, but not a full one. So mm -hmm. nothing outlandish, nothing like truly cocky to get the fans riled up or anything, but he had a little bit of a celebration in there. Sure. And I mean, that's, I'd say that's probably acceptable. Um, as yeah. long as you're not doing backflips or knee slides towards the opposing <laughs> team's bench, I think you're... I think you're just fine. Um, but yeah, great. Another great goal. I mean, dude is an absolute unit in the offense, obviously. Yeah. Um, but one thing I didn't expect was such a great pass from Rafa Mensingen. I mean, we know his attacking prowess. We know his ability to score goals. I didn't know he was built like that either to be able to thread the ball in and with the vision that he had. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who the defender, I think it was like Simon Fitch, maybe, that was defending him, that was closing real quick, too. And for Rafa to thread the needle, even as uh, Simon is closing in on him real quick, um, yeah, just a great, great pass. Mm -hmm. And if you can feed the ball to Olex Anderson, like in open field like that, I mean, yeah. yeah he's too good. He uh... Yeah. He'll finish those every time. Is it too early to call him MVP? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little too early for that. Okay. Um, All right, we'll see uh, kind of how the playoffs end up shaking out, and if somebody decides to step up. But he, I would have no problem saying he might be the front runner for it. Okay, so you're not declaring it here and now, but you're you're not uh, afraid to say that he's the front runner for it. Okay. I would say, yeah, if if you put him as number one right now in the odds, I I would not bet against that. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I can go along with that. Yeah, he's he's my favorite for the the MVP award this year too. Guy is stellar. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? If if NCFC ends up winning the uh, Community Shield or whatever we're calling it for the uh regular season title you might as well just give it to him because the league likes doing that anyway so yep so alexanderson has the brace against his former club now mikey maldonado in the 81st minute tried to steal the thunder with this absolute banger of a goal well outside the box received a pass just fucking rocket right to the back of the net i mean it was Top shelf. I mean, just amazing. Mm -hmm. Akira Fitzgerald didn't stand a chance on that one. No, no. I mean, I don't even know that any of the best keepers in the world would be able to stop that. It was just yeah. perfectly placed. There's You can't do any better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would look worse if Akira Fitzgerald, you know, truly tried to block the, the goal as he did? Or if he just stood there and observed it, watch like watching it go in. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, standing there and watching it, you can't even fault him because it was just such a great yeah. shot. I mean, and from as far out as he took it too, the chances of it going in, especially top bins like that, are slim, very slim. So yeah. I wouldn't fault him either way, but I mean. Well, for a guy like me in my kind of shape, I'm just going to stand there and watch it go in. And the whole time I'm just, yep, okay, cool. That was a good one. Yeah, I mean, if if I was in goal, I I would have died at you know two game matches into the season. I take I take a shot into the chest and I'm over. So <laughs> now Richmond did pull one back five minutes later when uh, Simon Fitch got his first professional goal off a uh, corner kick, um, but that was as close as Richmond was going to get in this one. Yeah, I mean it. Obviously, um, you play until you play until the final whistle and everything. Eighty-six uh, minute—that's that's really late to be trying to mount a comeback. But uh, good on Simon Fitch for for scoring the goal and getting his first professional goal. Um, and also good for, uh, on Neil Vinyos too, getting his fourth yeah. assist of the season. Um, obviously, leads the team in assists because it's Neil Vinyos, but. Um, yeah. I mean, you finish a goal just like how you're supposed to. Play to the whistle. Good on Richmond. Um, it's definitely something positive to take away from a second half of the season that has not gone their way at all. Um, yeah, there's just – it's crazy to think that NCFC is – continuing to roll right now with with all of the uh, stuff that they're doing in the league obviously and it's really kind of a complete polar opposite for Richmond you would have thought or I would have thought at the beginning of the season Richmond is a is a playoff lock team and right now they look like a team that's going to finish second to third from the bottom they're just they're not playing well and I don't know what what they're going to do to get out of it because the games don't get any easier. And okay. So that leads me to a really good question that I had um, down here. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a long setup. So, you know, bear with me as I get into this question here for you. Sure. So before the season began, Richmond had, you know, big time contributors last season from, you know, their midfielders, Ethan, Brian, and, uh, from oh, who was it? Uh, Jonathan Blanos? Mm -hmm. Now both of those guys went on to uh, play for their respective MLS clubs. Um, now you also had de a defender like Stuart Ritchie get called up to the uh, an MLS team as well. So you had these big holes to fill in the starting lineup, especially on the offensive side, because those guys did generate a lot of opportunities going forward. Even still, a lot of players had loft, or I'm sorry, a lot of people like myself had lofty expectations for Richmond uh, going into this season. Mm -hmm. um, they had as some you know, good signings. So now, as the season has rolled on and people have started to pull back on those expectations, would you have liked to have seen Darren Swatsky, Richmond's head coach, uh, and his staff do anything different with the players? I realize that hindsight is 2020 here, but 
knowing where they are right now, the expectations that we had upon them, maybe those expectations were too high. Do you think Swatsky and his staff should have done more during the season? Um, let's see. I don't know that there was a whole lot that Richmond was doing wrong leading up to this. Let's see. They hadn't, they haven't won a match since the first of last month. Something like that. Um, Leading up to that point, there was no, no indication that this team was going to go on this bad of a run of form. Um, Granted, they didn't look like last year's team. They didn't look like a team that could push and challenge for the first seed or the second seed, but they looked like a solid playoff performing team, maybe a first round home home match or something like that. But, um, Oh, Tim, thank you. Richmond winless in eight last win was the first of July. So July. um, Oh yeah. First of last month. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't see this run of form coming and I'm, can guarantee um, Darren Swatsky didn't either. And I just don't know that there's anything that could be done differently to this point that would have changed anything with the outcome. It is. There's there's some intangible force with the team right now that they, they can't get over. Maybe it's, what do they call it when... Uh, Guys just can't perform, and in, in like major league baseball, it's called like the yips or something like that. Oh yeah, the yips. Yeah, the teams get the yips, and it just yeah. happens. They got to work their way through it, and the only way to get through it is to play. So, yeah. um, I mean they're they're going to have to work their way out of it somehow. Um, they're not that far off of. A playoff position they're sitting on 27 points where greenville's sitting on 33 in sixth place so um they got some work to do but they gotta they gotta work through it and before the season started richmond was one of my favorites uh heading into the season you know obviously they have emiliano terzaghi uh they have nathan Ani, they have akira fitzgerald they have players on their team um who can make things happen. Uh, I was really hyping up uh, Joao Gomiero uh, in their midfield. So for me, they they have the players in place to lead a good charge. Now, I don't think that they would re- repeat as shield winners this season, but a legitimate playoff team? Yeah, sure. I, I certainly think that they have that capability. Um I will say, I, in my opinion, I think that there were ah, there were there were too many expectations placed upon the incoming players replacing those big names, um, the Ethan Bryant's, the uh, Jonathan Bolaños, um, and oh, who's the other one, um, Stuart Ritchie. So, trying to fill those shoes with incoming players who are getting acquainted with Darren Swatsky's system, getting acquainted with the the team chemistry. Um, I think that, I don't think enough consideration was placed into that um, realm of, of the team dynamic. And maybe 
with the team they have, maybe carrying out that 4-3-3 on a week-to-week basis could have been a little more flexible, you know, trying out another formation, seeing how that would have handled it. Um, I I certainly think that, you know, they they possibly could benefit from a, a formation change. Um, but yeah, they're they're still a very good team. They just don't have the confidence right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Richmond, they're they're a good team, but it's late in the season, and you know I don't know if they're. Let's see, right now, well, with the matches tonight, we just had them both finish, so they are currently sitting in ninth place. Yep, nine they, points. Yeah, out of the threshold. So, yeah, and I misspoke earlier. It's Madison after the matches tonight, sitting in sixth place, where Greenville is up in fifth. Same yeah. points, but so I mean that. Oh, that's. I mean, just to catch up to the playoff threshold, that's three matches. And not only that, you have to hope that you're winning on the same night that those teams are losing. Mm-hmm. Because any matched result, it's it's null, null and void, essentially. Yeah, they also have an uphill battle because both forward Madison, Greenville, and Northern Colorado, all three of them have at least one game in hand on them. True. So, oh man, that's tough. That's a very, that's a very big uphill battle. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering they still have the potential to make the playoffs, uh, that kind of leads me to another question. Do you think they will? Or uh, do you think it's time to start playing the younger players? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, like I said, it's, I mean, they have, Again, the teams in fifth and sixth place have a game in hand on them. Yeah. Um, and that's even assuming that they get past South Georgia and One Knox, both teams that, I mean, One Knox has won their last three of five. Yeah, they have. And Tormenta drew tonight two wins and two losses. So nobody is going on. Well, except for the bottom table teams, nobody's going on as bad of a run of form as Richmond is. Mm-hmm. So I don't well, see them being able to. That. You could throw Northern Colorado into that mix. There, I suppose that is true. But yeah. they're also in a much better position to make the playoffs, sitting in fourth true. place on 22 matches. So they have true. more opportunities to make it up. Um, I don't see it, but. Uh, I don't even think I could be talked into it at this point. I think at this point you do, you, you play the kids and you try to finalize deals. So we're looking at establishing next year's Richmond team with what, like eight matches left to go in the season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you're drawing that many fans, you know, start preparing for next season, show them what kind of talent you have, show them an upside to get them excited in the off season to have them return to city stadium next season. So yeah, I, I understand the logic there. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yeah. risk, you know, pushing too hard and I don't know, just sort of letting up there at the end. So yeah, I, I, I understand your logic there. Yeah. 
And then uh, Tim with Ranting Blue Penguin Media um, saying that he believes Richmond has been consistently mediocre all year, looking at it, six wins on the air, three in the first three months of March, April, May, three in the last three months, June, July, August. Three of their final eight are against current playoff teams, and they're swing games that they need, but they don't have enough of them. So, like I said, uphill battle for them for sure. Yep. Uh, I can't remember who has the hardest remaining schedule. I know who has the easiest remaining schedule, but I can't remember who has the hardest remaining. Um, but I want to say that Richmond might be one of them. I can't remember, though. Don't don't quote me on any of that, though. Um, Writing it down to quote you right now. <laughs> and on the flip side, you know, North uh, Carolina looked very clinical. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was kind of a weird balance though, because while they looked clinical on offense, getting to those offensive opportunities was a little bit of a struggle for them because their passing accuracy wasn't so great. I don't know. It was just an odd night for North Carolina and their link up play. Mm-hmm. Once they got into the final third, they seemed to know exactly what they were doing. It was just getting there. Yeah, and I mean they're that Richmond dominated possession big time this entire yeah. match. So sixty three to percent to thirty seven percent, and it it really looked to me that Richmond was trying to exploit the right side of NCFC's defense. Granted, they had to get through Maldonado, Mal, Mikey, and Mensingen. Um, in the midfield to get to the defenders in the back, but um, they had, they had chances and they had possessions. So it's Richmond really just kind of, they just weren't right in this match. Yeah. And for North Carolina, this was their first victory at city stadium since 2018. They're unbeaten in their last 10 matches, which is the longest streak since their, uh, 2011 season, which I believe was when they were still in the MPSL. I think that was the season before they jumped back over to USL. I could be wrong on that, though. That's and this right. was only the sixth time a USL League One club has uh, has remained unbeaten in 10 matches. And you know we didn't just leave it at that stat alone. You know that we went back and found those six teams. So some of them are a little bit surprising. As you know, Omaha fans, Brian, you and I both know that 2021 and 2022 both had, um, you know, win streaks. Uh, 2021 had 10 straight. 2022 had 11 straight. But 2019, if you were, were thinking about that season, naturally you would think of maybe North Texas. But no, it was actually Lansing United who went 12 straight undefeated. And then another surprising entry, and they are actually the record holders for an undefeated streak. 2021 Chattanooga Red Wolves, they went 15 straight undefeated. And then the last two entries to the record book for this streak uh, both happened this year with Northern Colorado getting 12 straight and then North Carolina in their current streak of 10 straight. 
And in those 10 matches, North Carolina has scored 22 goals. Jeez. Yeah. So not only are they winning, they're getting results, but they're scoring multiple goals a game to do so. Yeah. Adding, adding that goal differential already the highest in the league. All right. So with that, that streak in mind, can North Carolina beat North Col- Northern Colorado streak from earlier this year? And if so, can they beat Chattanooga's from 2021? And if you oh. don't think so, which club is going to end their streak? Now I have their remaining matches for the entire season listed here. So you can look those over and give us your opinion there. So they need three wins to beat Northern Colorado's and six to beat Chattanooga's. There's some tough matchups there too. Yeah. Um, North, uh, Northern Colorado, um, Central Valley at Omaha at Greenville versus Torment. Yeah. I don't think this, <laughs> I, I think either they slip up <laughs> In week 24 against Northern Colorado, or they slip up in week 26 at either Omaha or Greenville. Yeah, that's a tough week. Back uh, to back. Back to at back Omaha, twice. At Greenville. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with. Uh, I think they get past NOCO because it's at home. But I don't think I agree with Tim in the chat that they don't think they get past Omaha in week 26. And let's say that they do manage to get through week 26. Suddenly you look at week 27 and they host Tormenta, mm-hmm. who is flying high on the road. Mm, historically, very, very good yeah. on the road. They're very good on the road. So suddenly Tormenta is a match that you're not looking past either. Mm-hmm. There's not really, I mean, they have maybe two matches that you could argue you could look past. Not that you can actually look past them, but you can take a, maybe take a little less serious and they just both happen to be Central Valley Fuego. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Fuego fans, but it, it's just how it is. I mean, you're traveling to Lexington, not an easy place to play, not an easy team to beat despite their place in the standings. Looking at one knocks, I mean, that's uh, playing one knocks in the very last week of the season. Mm-hmm. That, ooh, they're going to be playing with a purpose that uh, in that match too, because they're going to be pushing for the playoffs. Yeah, and then I mean, they play Noco twice, they play Omaha twice. Yeah, in that entire span, that's that's a murderer's row schedule right there. Yeah, that's tough. All right, so you're saying either week 24 or week 26 will uh, yep. will be the doom of their streak. Yep. Okay. And if I had to choose 24 or 26, I'm going to have to be a homer in week 26 at Omaha. There you go. There you go. All right, so we're looking at a very small point on North Carolina's team situation. Let's zoom out a little bit, look at the, the you know, greater scheme of things here. Mm-hmm. With the announcement that they're going to be going back to USL Championship, does it change their definition of success for this season? 
Oh man. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think a lot of the times your success, especially when you're building the team, like how NCFC did for this season, the, the measurement for success in this league should always be playoffs. If you make the playoffs, that's a successful season. The fact that they have stayed in first place for as long as they have and have built up this lead that they do have. Um, granted, it's it has shrunk quite a bit from from a few weeks back, but yep. um no, I don't think I don't think anything they could do at this point would be considered anything other than success. Um I don't see them dropping out of playoff position at all. Um, I'll talk. I have a question for you about that later that we'll talk about. Um, but no, I think, I think you make the playoffs and then you let it ride from there. I mean, it's the playoffs. Granted, do, are they going to want to win the shield? Of course. Are they going to want to win the cup? Of course. Are those both realistic attainable goals for this team? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think you can consider this anything other than a successful season with how far it's gone so far. Now, if they don't win the shield or win the cup, is it a failure? Did they make the playoffs? Then no, if they didn't, if they made the playoffs, no, it's a successful season. If they didn't make the playoffs, then yeah, you could probably call that a failure, especially with the talent that this team has. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's try to get into the mindset of the, the North Carolina club. Do you think their focus has changed at all? Because you did mention that their lead has shrunk a little bit. Do you think their focus has changed at all from winning USL League One to preparing their current roster for next season in the upper division? I, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. I mean, with... I mean, let's let's look at their their run of form in their last five win, win, draw, win, win. I mean, this team yeah. is, and uh, let's let's be honest here. They're sitting on forty four points in twenty two matches. That's more than enough to get you a playoff spot, and they're sitting on a plus twelve goal differential as well. They're the highest goal differential in the league right now. Um, they're playing spectacular soccer so no i don't i don't think they have they already know they're going up at this point yeah i think it's now just these players are probably fighting for contracts they're this is probably a tryout for all of these players to see if they can dominate in league one then they can probably dominate the bottom half of usl championship man imagine sitting in John Bradford's seat and just thinking, I mean, we're looking at making the playoffs when we're looking at winning the shield. I got guys that are fighting, you know, tooth and nail just to secure their, their spot on the roster for next season. We're trying to win a cup. I mean, he's sitting in a man. He's sitting in a good seat right now. Mm -hmm. Good problems to have. That's for sure. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. I mean, you think back to our interview with him. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a guy who has his priorities straight, has it all organized. 
he's level-headed he's focused i mean yeah he mm -hmm. he's the right man for for where they're at right now definitely and also uh same with ranting blue penguin media again chime in to say wooden spoon winners to home playoff game that's winning good point very good point i agree completely yeah all right, so we go from Brian's pick to my pick, and that was South Georgia Tormenta beating Ford Madison at home four to two. Mm -hmm. That's another one the fans were unable to call correctly. Exactly. 42.9% uh, picking Ford Madison to take care of business against Tormenta. Yeah. And a good attendance there. In Tormenta Stadium too. Yeah, 1,238. So that puts them right at their, right about at their average. Uh, oh, is it? Oh, okay. So still, it is very good from what their attendance was last season. That's still over 200 fans more than they usually have. So yeah. um, from last season, it's a growth, which is exactly what we need in the league. So yeah. Well, Ford Madison scored the, the opening three goals of the match. Unfortunately, one of them was an own goal. Uh, so going into halftime, let me fast forward here. Yeah, going into halftime, it was uh, two to one Ford Madison. Now, Christian Cheney in the 12th minute had, man, he had a, uh, a, a great goal there. So when Jaden Onan just absolutely created chaos there in the box because he was sprinting full speed shot point blank at tj bush i don't blame tj bush for not being able to handle that ball you're you're looking at like in the moment reflexes just to block the ball from going over the the, the line when the ball went off his hands it went straight to christian cheney and all he had to do was just you know tap it in so it was it was but good on Christian Cheney for, for crashing the goal because you never know if you're going to have one of those rebound opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those two were the lone bright spot for Ford Madison in this match. Yeah. I guess it wouldn't be lone bright spots, would it? It would be the two bright spots. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, in the 18th minute, Mitchell Osmond had an own goal. Now, I... I feel bad, you know, saying that this is an own goal for Mitchell Osmond because this one was entirely on Tormenta's uh, Jackson Corey. Because if you look at the footage here, he had a 1v1 deep in the corner against Stephen Payne. Now, not many players would take that 1v1 and try to go at him. Most players would try to retreat, you know, drop a ball back, something. But not many players would go at him. Well, Jackson Corey did. Not only did he go at Stephen Payne, but he nutmegged him and he found his way around him and he kept storming into Ford Madison's box and kicked the ball straight into the goal area. And from there, I mean, it was just just a deflection off Osmond into the back of net, uh, back of the net. I thought it was Kazai Sterling who had the tap it. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, but it was actually off of Osmond. So. But man, shout out to Jackson Corey for that goal. That was, oh man. As soon as I saw him in that 1v1 with Stephen Payne, I was thinking, no, he's not going to do it. He's not, he's, he's, he's doing it. 
All right. Yes. <laughs> Not something you're used to seeing. That's for sure. Um, obviously Payne, one of the, one of the better defenders in the league. Um, insane, <laughs> insane to me to do that as well. So, and it all works out. I mean, you get the ball in the box and you see what happens. And I would say most of the time the ball gets that close in the box, good things happen. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jackson, Corey, again, just, we, I feel like we've been talking about him quite a bit and it's going to continue. I have a feeling for the rest of the season. Yep. And you know, 26 minute Cheney and Onan, um, team up for this goal. Uh, this one was a, a really cool one because Cheney was the, the setup man instead of the, the goal scorer. So Jay Nonan got the goal, but this one was entirely on uh, Christian Cheney, if you ask me, because Christian Cheney accepted that pass, but he just did a one-touch outside-of-the-foot flick uh, through the defense behind him, like over his shoulder, to lead Onan in the, into that attack. Mm. And Tormenta was just caught off, you know, off guard and I mean, they were just scrambling just to keep up with him, but Onan, you know, got the goal. Yep. I will say that TJ Bush, in my opinion, should have had this one. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like a pretty, you know, routine, um, you know, go to ground type of save. I don't know if there was something wrong with the the dirt, like if there was some uneven ground there, if it took an odd bounce or something, but because it, it did look a little bit weird as it was as the ball was approaching TJ Bush, but Ultimately, I mean, Bush should have had it. Yeah, I I agree. He probably should. Um, But, I mean, we also talked about this earlier with um, Rafa Mensingen, but Christian Chaney, who would have thought that dude could thread passes the way that he did? And not not traditionally known as a pass-first kind of guy, but, I mean, on this one, just beautifully done. Um, yeah, I can't give him enough credit. And again, the only two bright spots for Ford Madison in this one were those two. So, uh, good on him. From that point on, it was the Kaziah Sterling and McQuillia Kale show. Um, Kaziah Sterling scored the next two goals. He converted the penalty kick in the 49th minute. He loves that run up. That's a mm-hmm. slow run up too. Like I was thinking, like the ref might have a reason to to call that one back, but they let it through. Yeah. It um, happens. Yeah. And then McQuillie Akali set up Sterling for the next goal in the 55th minute. Um, and the, okay. So the, the thing about this goal is I love the fact that after they scored the goal, they grabbed one of the, the ball kids and the team swarmed the kid and they were taking goal like celebration pictures behind the net and everything. Awesome. I loved it. Cause uh you know that kid is gonna be going to school like at your know, first day of school. What'd you do this summer? I celebrate with Tormento after a goal. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's something that kind of gets lost, I feel like, a lot of times is that there's a lot of these kids in the stands too. And if you can make if you can make their night special once that obviously then you've made a, a fan for life. Number one. And number two, you got to make a kid's day. So uh, good on them on that as well. That's, that's awesome to see. Yeah. And then 58th minute on uh, another McQuillie, a goal. I mean now, okay. Pedro Fonseca, 
this guy uh, is like an unsung hero of Tormenta. Because when you have Kaziah Sterling, you have McQuillie Akali, uh, who's oh, who's another big uh, Tormenta player. I'm trying to think of. There's one that I'm missing, and I'm going to feel stupid for missing out on that name. But when you have um, those type of players on your team, you got to have the 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 kind of setup man, uh, you know, standing behind them. And Fonseca is a, a great guy to have behind him. He's been doing a good job this season. But this was a good team goal because Tormenta stacked the midfield. As Madison was crossing the the midline, they tried to to force a pass and with the the numbers that um Tormenta had not only was it kind of an errant pass but uh Tormenta jumped on it and they just immediately went straight back down the field on the on the counterattack mm-hmm. just a good goal i liked it oh yeah very good i always love team team goals are always the best goals let's be honest yeah. it's cool to see a guy make a a 25 yard run and and just slot one in but i think the build up and play on this one trumps anything i've i've seen yep and i mean yeah this this match was definitely surprising for me i did not have this in my in my bingo my bingo card um yeah especially not this way um and it's it's actually kind of shocking because there seem to be similarities between Madison and Richmond in this late season. Um, stop me if you heard this before, but forward Madison being a little bit lax in the second half of the season, yet again, seeming to come back and bite them pretty hard. Um, and it's really weird to see it because, again, Madison was another team that at the beginning of the season, especially after the first few weeks, I I think I even said on here that I had them as a playoff lock. Um well, hell in the midseason um the midseason review that we did for um the USL headquarters, I I had Madison in my title match. Um wow. this is definitely not not the same team that I was watching halfway through. Um, And on the flip side of that, you have Tormenta coming in and making a late stage push right now. Um, Granted, in their last five, they have lost two matches, but they're not sitting that far behind. They're they're five five points behind Madison, and that this match was a huge swing point for them. Beating the team directly above you is like a six-point swing. So um, they're definitely one to look out for, and it's going to be really weird to see those these two teams and how they kind of stack up for the rest of the season and if their rise and falls are the same for the rest of the season. So a little bit of on-the-spot research here for you. There's you, you kind of spoke about it. T- uh, um, tell me if you heard the story before or something like that. Well, let's, let's look at week. Oh my gosh. If I can speak here, <laughs> uh, the 2022 season week 16, Madison was in third place. Fast forward to week 24, 
of 2022. They are in eighth place. Now you look at this season. Week 16, Madison is in second place. And then you fast forward to week 24. And here they are. What, they're in what, sixth place now? At this moment in time? Um, they are at sixth place, yes. So, I mean, history repeating itself right there. Mm-hmm. On the spot research. You love it. It was. It was beautifully done, Rich. <laughs> but, so I, I kind of told Brian this uh, as we were getting ready for tonight's episode. If you are a Tormenta fan, you have got to be the most stressed out fan base in League One. And let me tell you why. You probably already know, but I'm just going <laughs> to. No, I'm going to tell you how you feel here. right now. Exactly. <laughs> so they have set the league record um, this year, or they lead the, the league in scoring in individual matches. So they've played 23, uh, not well, I guess including tonight too, because they, they did score tonight. So they've played 24 matches. And they've scored in 21 of them. Now, the next closest is North Carolina. Uh, I think they've uh, scored in 19 of their matches. And they've played 22. <laughs> now, to go even further, because they've played in 20... Let's see. At, this, at the time that I had this written down, they, they scored in 20 of their 23 matches. Their overall goal differential heading into tonight was plus three. So the they're sharing the wealth across a lot of games. Mm -hmm. And they lead the, the league in points per goal with 1.37 points per goal. So every single goal that Tormenta scores means that much more to that fan base. Mm -hmm. Now let's go a little bit further. In the last five matches, they have scored 12 goals. Normally you'd be thinking, all right, cool, I'm sitting pretty. They've also conceded 12 in those same five matches. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Not so, great at all. Even though Tormenta, they're showing strides of progress and they're getting better they're scoring goals. They have that momentum. At the same time, they have these, these pitfalls where things are going against them. Look at tonight. They were ahead of Northern Colorado, two to one, heading into extra time in the second half. Northern Colorado scores in extra time, or I'm sorry, in stoppage time. So, I mean, they had the three points against Northern Colorado. Mm -hmm. And they had to settle for a draw because of a late goal. Yep. It just shows you how much every single one of those goals means. Mm -hmm. It's so for Tormenta fans out there, feel for you. Just keep the faith. The team is is doing okay. Where are they sitting right now? They're what seventh? Yeah, seventh, seventh place. place. So they're they're still knocking on the door. There's still a chance for them to make the playoffs. Just you know, take your, your heart medicine, keep attending games, keep rooting for your team. They also have uh, the pro same problem as Richmond. The teams above them 
all of them except for Charlotte all have at least one game in hand on them. True. Yeah. So um, that's going to be another big hill that they're also going to have to climb just like Richmond is. Um, and just catching up on the the live chat because everybody's going, going off in the live chat right now. Um, <laughs> Allison asking, didn't Tormenta do something similar last year as meaning a late season surge? They did. Yeah. Uh, Soup Loops wants to let you know that you don't need to tell me nothing. <laughs> um, Tim with Ranting Blue Penguin Media. Last year, Tormenta went six unbeaten, 21 points from their final 10 matches um, to end the season. Zach saying, imagine all them goals and not even in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with tonight's uh, pair of goals, they set a a uh, club record of 43 yeah 43, 43 goals they set a they set a club record tonight with 43 goals mm-hmm. and soup loops want to let us know too that tormenta is donating 100 i'm assuming dollars to the local food bank for all tormenta goals scored at home nice and <laughs> he also uh throwing it looks like a little bit of uh <laughs> A little bit of conspiracy theory um, saying sometimes I think they want the other team's goals to count too. Well, hey, we got some stats on that too here. So, all right. So, Tormenta at home, counting tonight's goals, they scored two tonight. They have 21 goals at home. So, $2,100 going to local food bank. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Boom, look at that. We got stats on hand for you. <laughs> and Rich doing it with pen and paper as well. Man, exactly. after my own heart, my notes are also in a notebook <laughs> right in front of me as well. So, um, yeah, we've got the outline, but we also have stuff written down in actual pen and paper form. Yeah, yeah. I just like it better, to be honest with you. You know... Brian, I don't have a beautiful head of hair like you. I, I've been sacrificed to the, the gods of genetics for my, my hairline, which I'm conveniently hiding underneath my Aston Villa hat. Sure. Um, sure. Man, if, oh, I, if I were like one of these, you know, if I were soup loops, man, Mr. Shine would be like feeling sorry for, for my head of hair. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh boy. Soup loops. Keep the faith though. That's all I'm saying. Just keep the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we do have some, I would say we call this breaking news. If it happened, what yesterday? Yeah. Breaking ish news. Um, Matthias Cassini is no longer with Tormenta. Um, the initial post was found on his Instagram account and later confirmed by the club with a post on social media. Um, I really side note, I really need to get on Instagram cause that's where all the, the good stuff is, I suppose. But, um, we do know that, uh, Cassini played the 2022 season with forward Madison, um, had some injury issues. Um, but in, 14 matches this season. He has five goals and one assist. He led the team in goals per 90 minutes with 0.97. Um, 
yeah, I I don't know what what the issue with Cassini was. Um, yeah, I. I hate to speculate or say anything like that, but it, there seems to be a bit of a pattern between his time, especially towards the end of his tenure at Forward Madison and the end of his time with Tormenta um, as he wasn't even on the bench versus Madison. So, um, yeah, don't know what's going on with that exactly, but um, no longer with the club. So, um unfortunate and just have to kind of see how it goes for him and kind of what you were saying i i have to believe this is an off the field kind of issue because he performs on the field he's an accurate passer he has accurate long balls um maybe it was an issue with playing time because you know tormenta does have a pretty loaded midfield i mean toby otieno john murphy jr um, you know, they, they throw in some other guys. I, they, they seem to throw in, you know, the a rotation of McQuillia colleague, cause I Sterling, Jackson, Corey, Arthur Bosua, uh, Kingsford, Ajay. I mean, those guys all have their own playing time in the midfield as well. So if you're trying to get your own playing time amongst those guys, man, not only are you, uh, trying to perform at a high level, you're trying to do so at the expense of those quality players missing out on their playing time. So yeah, yeah I, I kind of have to believe what you were alluding to that. This is, this has to be like an off the field issue, but once yeah. again, I mean, we're not here to, to speculate. Yeah. Even so we are, we are, but I mean, we're, we are a, uh, a lot of opinion based on this show. So we're not saying that's the reason. That's just our thoughts about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it is what it is. There's not a whole lot you can do. Yep. We're all along for the ride at this point. Well, as we look at the standings, Tormenta's in seventh place. Do they scare you enough uh, into believing that they can make it above the playoff threshold? Or, and if, I mean, can they play themselves into that first round of the playoffs? I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Um, again, it's going to be difficult. Um, and let's, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at their schedule for the next, yeah, next few too. matches. Um, Chattanooga uh, away, or is okay, that a, they can win that one? Uh, one knocks. Oh, that's tough. Uh, Northern Colorado, oh, NCFC, no. One Knox oh, again, no. Richmond, Union Omaha, and Charlotte for the last remaining matches. That's not an easy oh, schedule by any stretch not. of the imagination. So can they do it? Yeah, they sure. Um, they went on a run yeah. last year and did it and ended up winning the whole the whole thing. So They've done it before. It can be done. Um, I would not. I would not bet on that happening. In my opinion. Oh man, yeah, that's a tough schedule. Playing one knocks twice. Playing at Northern Colorado, at North Carolina, at Richmond, mm -hmm. it's at rough. Charlotte. Charlotte's the number one home team. 
playing in front of a big crowd in Richmond, playing the number one team in the league, North Carolina, high scoring Northern Colorado. Oh gosh, this is, yeah. It's tough. Ouch. Yeah. I don't know. That makes me hesitate to, to think that they can make the playoffs, but yeah, like you said, it, it's still possible. Mm-hmm. They've done it which kind of, yeah, which, you know, let's, let's flip it to Madison. Um, can they hold on long enough to, to make it to the playoffs? They're right on the edge right now and they could finally make their first appearance since 2019. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit easier of a schedule. Um, they play Central Valley Fuego, uh, Chattanooga, One Knox, Richmond, Northern Colorado, Charlotte, Lexington, Northern Colorado again, and then Union Omaha on final match day. So, yeah, there's some tough ones in there. There's some tough ones, but a lot of quote-unquote winnable games. Um, yeah. And team and teams that are lower than them in the standings. So theoretically, if you had to have me choose, do I think Tormenta makes the playoffs or Madison makes the playoffs? It, in my opinion, Tormenta, based on the schedule, um, and the fact that Madison, in theory, should have six give me points at least at this point. Sorry, Chattanooga, and I'm sorry, Central Valley fans. It just Nothing against your your team, but they are just not not playing very well right now. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. So Tormenta would have to they would have to win two matches to get above Ford Madison, points wise. Mm-hmm. And Ford Madison already has a game in hand. Oh, it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that's and why. Tormenta has a tougher schedule down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think forward Madison probably does the job to make the playoffs for the first time since the first year of the league. Man. And plus then, if they do, that makes my prediction for the final somewhat possible. possible. Yeah, it's possible. What was uh, possible? Yes. What was uh, Yogi's prediction? It was if oh, what was it? Uh, It was something like whoever. It was something like North Carolina and someone else. Whoever. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one because he had a he had a really interesting prediction. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but um, it was certainly one to to make me pause in the moment and like, oh wow, that's that's a really mm-hmm. good one. So Tim with Ranting Blue Penguin Media uh, coming in with a really good point. Chattanooga, Northern Colorado, Fuego, and Knoxville have all beaten Madison at least once this year. <sighs> So maybe not some gimme games, but I still, I feel like I still have more confidence in forward Madison to be able to hold on, but the way they are trending, it's a toss up really at this point between those two for that probably final playoff spot, but don't sleep on Knoxville either. 
Yeah. But yeah, I we're think gonna... seven to seven to nine really have a long road ahead of them because all the teams above them have games in hand and Lexington right below them in 10th has one game in hand on them as well. So really interesting. All right, let's jump into the first of the fan picks. Our next two are going to be the the fan picks. So first one that we're going to be talking about is Union Omaha hosting Chattanooga. Uh, Union Omaha comes out with the two, one victory, man, landslide voting in this one. Yeah, the fans with 88.9% predicting a Union Omaha win. And a respectable 7.4% calling for a draw. (laughs) Which, if this was Union Omaha, what, eight weeks ago or so? Yeah, that's probably fair. But Yeah. And a good crowd. This was, uh, yeah, on that super hot day, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good crowd nonetheless. Yes, three thousand three hundred and fifty-six, which puts them three hundred and fifty-three over their average for the season. So Omaha's starting to get back to their average from twenty twenty-two um, at three thousand four hundred and seven. I just really think those first two matches with snow and hail really kind of ruined any chance that yeah. they had. For tying it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I could not speak to the the weather as I was in Valentine floating on a river. So I was uh, I was not at the match, but I did hear that it was rather warm. I was just going to ask you uh, if you were listening to the match as you were floating down the river, too. Um, no, uh, we actually did the float in the morning and then... Um, we were actually the last ones to leave the river as well. We got back oh, okay. so late that the people that were there to collect the tubes and put them in a, a big corral were no longer there. So oh. <laughs> we we turned a five and a half hour float into about a 10 hour float. So Oh my gosh. <laughs> Definitely crazy. Uh, huge shout out to everybody who chose to stay out on the berm have to believe that if Union Omaha, like if fans wanted to sit in the seatbacks, the club was going to say, all right, yeah, you want to sit in the shade and you want to sit in the seatbacks? Yeah, go ahead. I'm not going to keep you out here in the sun. But for those who stuck it out, props to you. Yeah, and Zach in the live chat saying that the berm was smoking hot. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I bet it was, especially with the sun in your face the whole time. I know we're, I know Omaha is not the only stadium that has to deal with that issue, but yeah, it, it doesn't get any better anywhere that you're <laughs> that you're staring directly into the sun for ninety minutes, you know. So no, and fans didn't have to wait long to start celebrating. In the tenth minute, Alex Steinwasher got his second goal in only his second start of the season, too. Mm-hmm. That was you know that was a good goal too. Um, uh, so it was, it was kind of one of those where. Uh, Joe Burrito um, and Luis Hill were working, you know, in tandem, moving up the, the field quite a bit. And then, you know, Luis Hill just threaded a, a ball up to Steinwasher, who, who clinically finished it. I mean, it was it was a, it was a good goal, a good um, link up play um, to you know develop the the offensive opportunity. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, man, 
I really, really hope in the offseason that Union Omaha re-signs Joe Brito because especially in these recent matches, uh, Joe Brito and Luis Hill, uh, even Joe Gallardo, those guys have been doing so much invisible labor. We've talked about the invisible labor plenty of times in the past. Mm -hmm. Those three guys right there, um, man, they put in the work. Um, obviously we we've come to know and love that from JP Skiers, but from those three guys, man, yeah, they they do some good work for for the team in the midfield. Mm -hmm. And then um I gotta admit, the rest of the first half was not terribly exciting. It was just sort of like both teams were just sort of writing it out. Nothing major happening on either side of the field. It was just sort of, all right, we're getting to halftime. We're going to make our adjustments. We're going to come out, and then we're going to start swinging again. Mm -hmm. And 66 minute, Omaha doubled their lead um, with an own goal from Aaron Lombardi. But, yeah, I mean, still still good to get the, the second goal of the match. Yeah. Get the insurance policy. I mean, it was another one of those things. You cross the ball into the six-yard box, and usually good things happen, uh, especially that close to the goal. It's really hard to try to knock a cross down going back towards your goal, sticking your foot out towards your own goal. Yeah. It's just unfortunate. Yep. And then just before the final whistle, uh, Chattanooga was awarded a penalty kick and Siobhan Marsh um, converted the, the penalty kick. I mean, he subbed on in the second half. I, I wasn't sure if he was going to be the one that was going to be given the penalty kick. I thought someone else was going to take the kick, but. You know, with, with what he's been doing recently, it doesn't, it does not surprise me. It seems like yeah. he's one of those guys that is the only kind of shining spot for a yeah. Chattanooga team that has not looked great this season. Yeah. Yep. And then, I mean, it was uh, a good, strong win for Union Omaha. I, I, so before the game started, I thought it was going to be a three-zero victory. Um, and all the the front office people that I spoke with, you know, they were confident of a of a win as well. So um, there's a lot of confidence in the club right now, and not only with the players, with the front office. So it, it's it's good walking around Warner Park when you're talking to all the people associated with the club, and they're like, "Yeah, we got this." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's that's part of the reason why Omaha has has really come into their own in the second half of the season. It feels like Omaha has really figured out exactly what they need to do um, with their offensive identity and with their defensive identity. Um, and it's it's in my mind kind of locked them as one of my two teams that I have locked in will make the playoffs. Um, again, we'll, we'll talk about the, the number that we, uh, we got for last season, uh, for like your playoff threshold a little bit later. Um, but yeah, there's two teams, NCFC and Omaha for me that are locks in the playoff. It's just what position are they going to finish in? Um, and you got to wonder if, Omaha's run is going to continue as well with this win streak and this, um, this run of form. Yep. And when I wrote the, uh, the recap for this match, I found a ton of 
did some research and found a bunch of stats that further proved, you know, just how well the, the team is playing right now. Um, but one that um, I was able to find, well, I mean, this one actually came courtesy of the league, so I, I'll give them credit for this one. But Alex Steinwasher is the only player all time in the Union Omaha Chattanooga uh, Red Wolf series to have more than one goal. Uh, his first goal came in the week 10 match. And then obviously his second goal came in this one. Uh, when I was looking up that stat, just to confirm it, I saw that Chattanooga had two goals from a player with the last name of Hernandez. So I had to look into that to see that it was whether it was, whether or not it was the same player. And sure enough, no, it was, it was two different players with the last name of Hernandez, but, um, but yeah, I, that was, that was a really cool stat that the, the league uh, released um i think it was like i think it was like right after but i can't remember but that was that was a cool stat i like that one mm-hmm. um let's see here yeah i mean if you look at some of the the random facts associated with the union omaha uh victory it was their fifth straight league win which is their you know most in league history or most in club history um the longest win streak since October of 2021, and that matches Richmond Kickers' five straight wins from that season. And they are two wins away from beating the League One record for number of straight victories. In 2019, Lansing United, we mentioned them earlier in the broadcast, uh, they had six straight wins. So with two more wins, Union Omaha could surpass them. And it was their sixth straight home win and they are undefeated at home through seven matches, uh, one short of the club record for longest undefeated streak at home. Both the twenty, the, both the twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two squads, uh, both had um, seven matches as well. Mm-hmm. And they've scored the most goals at home. They have the highest average goals per match at home. Um, they're one point shy of matching the all time or the single season uh points earned at home they have 24 right now 2021 the club had 25 points at home so um yeah a lot of good things happening with union omaha right now oh and i have this this fun stat in here for you union omaha has not trailed at home in 630 minutes of play at warner park which is enough to watch the barbie movie over five and a half times wow that's that's uh i don't know if i want to watch the barbie movie five and a half times i haven't seen it yet so um i did see it and i liked it i thought it was good all right well then maybe i would watch it five and a half times but (laughs) in either case that's that's still very very impressive um one thing that you definitely like see with union omaha um especially late in the season warner park somehow um, turns into a, a fortress for Union Omaha. They, towards the end of the season, they don't lose at home. Um, and it's really one of those things that I'll, I'll have to go back and kind of look and see um, averages for like goals for and goals against in late season matches for Union Omaha and stuff like that. But um, that's definitely a really crazy stat. And I know Omaha only has what is it? Four matches left at home this season. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they're going to have to, 
to use every bit of that it feels like to if they want to um finish with a chance to get a home playoff match whether it be in the first round or the second round yep and union omaha i think even with the matches tonight yeah even with the matches tonight union omaha still has the most goals scored at home so they still carry that lead as well you only Tim get Tan. halfway through Lord of the Rings. Perfect. <laughs> true. <laughs> that is very true, Tim. I love it. Very true. Halfway through Lord of the Rings. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so damn good. All right. And then the last, last match that we're going to go into deep discussions about um, is going to be the 0-0 draw between Northern Colorado and Greenville. And this one was a weird one, mm-hmm. just a weird one. Now, right off the bat, fans voting in this one, it was a straight, like even vote. A third of you thought Northern Colorado was going to win. A third of you thought there was going to be a draw. And a third of you thought there was going to be a triumph win. 33.3 repeating, of course, percentage. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. This one had huge impl- uh huge playoff implications um it really sucks that there were two weather delays because it really ruined any momentum that either side was going to have mm-hmm. and i think at the end of the match there were two shots on goal for both sides so wow. it just i i feel like at the at the end of the match we were robbed of an opportunity to to watch a really high quality match mhm yeah, um, it's unfortunate, but I mean, that's it's kind of how it goes. Um, there were some pretty like wild swings throughout the entire match. There were points where Noko had all the control, then Greenville had all the control. Then, I mean, it just one of those back and forths where just that final little, little bit just wasn't there for either side. Yeah, and even their XG was, I mean, pretty much right on like even with each other northern colorado had 0.94 and greenville triumph had 1.07 so very very close xgs mm-hmm. um, but like you said there were swings back and forth and no one could really settle into a rhythm it was very disjointed yeah just yeah it was just a weird match mm-hmm. so i i feel bad you know, citing any statistics about Northern Colorado for this one because, or even the triumph, because it, it was just sort of like a, I, we, I don't think we got a, a true perspective of, you know, the quality of play that we, we could have had with, without those weather mm-hmm. blaze. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I know, I know athletes hate the weather delays. Um, what, Cause you get into that. We talked about it before you get into that rhythm and you go in to do something, and when that gets changed, your body just doesn't know how to respond. So then you got to try to re-get yourself back together, and you don't know exactly when you're going to be able to go back, so you can't get your, your pre-game routine going again. And it's just, it's not fun for fans or for players. So, yeah. unfortunate, but it is an outdoor game, so something we just yeah. got to deal with. And after the match, Eamon Zayed, uh, head coach of Northern Colorado, I love how blunt he is in this quote. 
He said after the match, I'll be honest, it was a poor game of football for both sides. It's a welcome clean sheet. I love it. Such a great quote. Yeah. And so accurate too. Yeah, I mean, it is. It was, it was just a weird night. So we're going to take the draw. We're going to take the point. Whatever. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does not sugarcoat things either. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? That's what everybody loves about him. So, yep. uh, myself included. So yep. more power to him, you know, <laughs> um, one thing that is, is really weird about this match that, looking into it last week and knowing it was coming down the pipeline is how big the playoff implications were, as you said earlier. Um, Obviously both teams in the playoff line, um, both teams fighting to move up in the playoffs. But to me, this one, I feel like the draw helps Greenville so much more um, than it hurts Northern Colorado. Yeah. Um, Northern Colorado's kind of fallen into a funk this part of the season. Um, I mean, you just look back at their last five, three losses and two draws. That's really not great and not something we've expected out of them. Um, Whereas you flip the script and a draw for Greenville is most of the time feels like status quo. I mean, they'll win the matches they should win. And they draw the matches that are toss-ups. That's just kind of how Greenville's always done things. Um, and they're doing it again. Um, they're adding points, uh, Greenville is, and it may not be from wins, but right now in this kind of ending the part of the season where you're really pushing for the playoff, points are points. And if you're already above the playoff line, even a single point helps you out. So... Um, yeah. And what really helps them out is the teams under them don't seem like they want points. So um, that's a good point. Yeah, that's definitely a nice problem to have uh, for Greenville. Because let's oh let's let's do some on the spot research for that one too. So look, let me get out my notebook here. All right, so we got Greenville in. Well, right now they're in fifth place. So the uh, Ford Madison sixth place. So Tormenta actually has six points in their last three, but they have six those same six points in the last five. Mm-hmm. And then one knocks, you know, they have three wins in the last five, so they're actually doing pretty well. Yep. They're actually I would they're pretty scary, even. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like you said, they're I mean northern Colorado. Uh, they have one point in the last three. They have one point in the last five. So there, yeah, like you said, there are teams around them that are not taking advantage of the opportunity to climb up the, um, the stands. And there are actually teams ahead of them that are faulting, um, and allowing them to, to gain some ground on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with what you were just saying. And as we look ahead here, we kind of hit on that a little bit. But for Northern Colorado, they're the only team with 11 matches remaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me update that stat here since they are current. Yeah, they're currently still sitting in fourth place. Yep. Do you think they can rise? If so, how high, how high can they rise? If you don't think they can rise, how far are they falling? 
Uh, I mean, I, yeah, obviously they can, they can rise. They're only, they have a game in hand on, um, on Charlotte or two games in hand on Charlotte, one yeah. game in hand on Union Omaha, and are tied in matches played with NCFC, and they are only three points out of second place. So one win and a Union Omaha loss gets them to second place. Um, obviously, I think they're talented enough that they can rise, but I feel like it's not them that are going to be the ones that decide their own fate. I think they're going to play better, but I think the teams around them are also going to play better. So I think three or four is probably the ending place for Northern Colorado. Um, Cause I don't see NCFC or union Omaha right now faltering too much. Um, so yeah, I think that three or four is, is about right. I don't think, I don't think they're going to rise or fall very much at all. Looking at Greenville. If you had told me in week 23, I'm sorry, after 23 matches played, they would have more goals scored than Ford Madison. I'd have told you to shut up. Right. There's no way that's happening. Like, go take that mess somewhere else. But no, they have six more goals scored than Ford Madison. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another thing. If you had told me that they would have only four less than Northern Colorado, I'd have said the same thing. As well as matching them matching northern colorado and only conce- and conceding 28 goals because i would have thought greenville would be lower in that category mm-hmm. but yeah greenville scoring 35 that surprises me mm-hmm. that i mean that that's pretty cool good for good for greenville yeah and i mean the the league as a whole really is not as defensively stout as yeah. we've seen in previous seasons. Um, they're outliers, obviously, um, but I mean, it's in the past few years. Yeah, the goals allowed have been significantly lower for the top half of the table um, than it has been this season. So, and we still have a, quite a few matches left to play. So, yeah. Um, just just crazy. All right, let's look at week 23 last season. Oh man, yes. We are Okay. So, week 23 last season uh Union Omaha was in first place. Um goals conceded was only 20. Mm-hmm. And the league leader this year Northern Colorado has conceded 27. 27. Next one down is 31, Greenville. On on pace. 27 for Richmond, 29 for Charlotte. Chattanooga had 30. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say there's, yeah, there's a, last year they they had less. Yeah, there's, there's definitely, like, if you take it on average between all of the teams, it's probably pretty similar, but there are definitely real big outliers when you look at the top half. Exactly. Like you were saying. Yeah. Top half. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, crazy to think about. I think we were expecting this to be an offensive uh, season, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I was expecting it to be this offensive, though. Yeah, we had those outlier games last season where there was like a, I think, well, Greenville had like a 7-1 game or something like that. Um, uh, they had that. They had the five five with Tormenta last season. Yeah, was another Greenville. Who's the one that had the? There was a matchup this week where one of the teams had it was like a five one victory. It was. It wasn't one Knox and Lex. It wasn't Richmond, North Carolina. It was Tormenta. Uh, well, let me look that up. I want to make sure I'm Tormenta and Madison. Uh, yeah, 4-1. 4-1 victory in week 20. Oh, back in week 20, yeah. And Tim letting yeah. us know Greenville has beaten Chattanooga 5-1 to one is the one you were thinking of. Greenville, Chattanooga, yeah. Crazy, yeah. Jeez. All right, so let's get down into some of the questions for this one. Let me scroll back down here. All right, so we talked about Northern Colorado. Uh, let's get into Greenville. So Greenville, sitting in sixth place. Who scares you more, your own club or one that uh, one of your neighbors? Hmm. I feel like Greenville has to look out for Madison and Tormenta and one Knox, but that's just because those are the teams below them that they're going to be trying to push off into the playoffs. Um, But I think the biggest thing for Greenville is they're obviously a team that draws quite a bit. Uh, They need to get wins. So you have to look inward. So I think your own worst enemy is yourself. Um, Can your, can your team, play defense like how they're accustomed to uh, in the past few seasons with Greenville and can you grind out some wins and and let the chips fall where they make. So if you grind out a few wins here or there and keep doing what you're doing with the draws, you'll be just fine. Yeah, and to echo that exact sentiment, in their last five matches, Greenville has scored seven goals but conceded six. So they came out with a plus one goal differential but like you were saying, I mean, they're scoring. They got to score more goals, but they got to also, you know, shore up those those goals against them. All right. Well, that one ends all the fan votes. We had that 2-1 victory, uh, Charlotte on the road over at Central Valley. I didn't know that one was even going to uh, take place. We saw the video that El Fuego Pod posted on Twitter of the, the high winds and all the dust flying everywhere. Oh, I didn't yeah. think that match was going to happen. No, I didn't either. Um, but I mean, Fuego is probably not happy that it did, but it did. Um, and yeah. Charlotte almost, I mean, kind of surprising two to one, but that's also kind of been Fuego's MO, you know, is scoring late goals to, <laughs> to make it look yeah. a little bit closer than it probably was. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into week 24. We have four teams playing twice. We had actually, you know, four teams playing tonight. 
Um, Chattanooga, Greenville, Northern Colorado, and Tormenta all played tonight. And then Saturday, we have Greenville hosting Union Omaha. We have Lexington hosting Richmond. North Carolina hosting Northern Colorado. Chattanooga hosting Tormenta. One Knox hosting Charlotte. And Central Valley hosting Madison. There are some big matches this week. Very big. Yeah. Um, definitely one to keep an eye out for is this is a little bit of a sleeper pick, but Lexington and Richmond. I was just looking at that same one. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be a really interesting match to watch. Um, I agree. Also, don't sleep on one Knox and Charlotte either. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be a fun one. I think those two are obviously, aside from, you know, the playoff playoff teams, Greenville, Omaha, NCFC, and NOCO, um, you know, those are the big playoff teams right now. But those other two matches, I think, are going to be very interesting to watch, especially... Lexington and Richmond just to see does Richmond still have the desire to try to to try to go out and win matches and then can Lexington go out and put together and I'm going to beat this dead horse over and over again can Lexington go out and put a full 90 minutes together and we can see what this team can actually do you can't say beating that horse when you're talking about Lexington man oh yeah that's true I suppose (laughs) I suppose they have the mini horse out there now um I'm going to beat that drum until. (laughs) Thanks for keeping me honest on that one, Rich. Appreciate you. (laughs) So Allison with a very good point too, saying with as tight as the table is, I think just about every match is going to feel big. Yeah, it's true. We are about to that point. Yeah. There are storylines with every single one of these matches. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they they each have their own entertaining draw. Yeah, this is the time where it gets real fun to be watching all of the matches. You know, earlier yeah. in the season, I'm a little bit like you're in weeks eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and just like God, I gotta watch this many matches again. And at yeah. this point, I'm like, I'm gonna watch every single one of these matches. Yeah, exactly. On the same TV, I'm gonna multicast it and and get them all going at the same time. So I want all of it. I, lo- I want all the drama and all the playoff implications. Yeah. We need like uh, one of those USL League One, like gold TVs, whatever they, whatever they call that. Like the wraparound show? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, like the wraparound, like uh, the NFL has like the goal line coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need like the wraparound coverage for USL League One. Hey, League One headquarters. Hint, I know, hint. I know a couple guys that would be willing to do that for you. <laughs> We'd even clean up the language for you. Yeah. And we wouldn't drink on the job. Yeah, no, I don't. You're the responsible one tonight. Yeah, only because if I don't, I'll probably die tomorrow. This is like day four (laughs) of oppressive 117 degree. We got real feel weather, so. I'm not even going to kind of try to compare the the warehouse stuff to to what you're doing because you're in the direct sunlight you have the heat and humidity i have the industrial fans blown on me which isn't much of a reprieve but it's nothing compared to what you got going on i think i'm just gonna get 
get a nice big ice bath like halfway through the day tomorrow and Ooh, and go on good. after that. Yeah. There you go. All right, so we got some questions here at the end. Yeah, so if anybody in the chat wants to uh, throw in some questions here, I have a couple questions that I'm going to ask Rich, and then we can get to yours after. So feel free to put them in the live chat here. Um, So my first one to you, Rich, is if you remember the point total that we set at the beginning of the season that was kind of like our, you need to make this amount of points to make the playoffs. I do remember that. So we had it set at 45. Mm-hmm. That is correct. It was at 45. Do you still think that number is fair? Or do you think that it's going to have to be higher before the end of this season? It's going to have to be higher. Yeah, it's going to have to be higher. Even though there are some clubs who have a tough road down the stretch. Mm-hmm. There are still several clubs who have double-digit matches left in the season mm-hmm. and can easily surpass 45 points. I think 45 is on the low end of what teams need in order to get in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think 45, I think that standard needs to be be higher. So what would you place the number just off the top of your head for if you want to just Bare minimum, make the playoffs in sixth place. Sixth place. Oh, I'll put it at. I'll put it at forty nine. Yep, that's that's about where I was. I was thinking in my head fifty points would probably get you in sixth place. Yeah. But also, also brings up another question that just coming off um, off the top of my head, do you think any team beats the um, beats the point totals that North Texas set in 2019 with 56 points? Ooh, that's a good question. So in order to do that, Northern Colorado would have to win four matches. I think they'll do that. So yeah, I think I think we'll see a record set this season. Tim coming in and saying maximum points for Tormenta in seventh place is fifty-five points. Oh man, yeah. And it is the same for one Knox in eighth place. Yeah. Granted, of course, that's maximum points. So um, whether or not we see that, but. It'll definitely be very interesting to see. Um, I was just trying to look up and see if NCFC had a chance at 56, and now it's just not showing up for me. So that's cool. (laughs) Anyway, so that's also one. Um, And Tim letting us know 49 means you expect Tormenta or Knoxville to drop no more than six points in their last no remaining more matches. Than six points. It yeah. can be done. It can, yeah. It could be done. And we've seen stranger things, and this league is built on strange things happening. So 
I love how we're all like pouring over the the mm-hmm. table right now and like doing all this internal math. Yeah. Well, if so and so does this, and... well, so here's another question for you that goes along with the playoffs. I know I spoke earlier as that I have two um, playoff locks: NCFC and Union Omaha. Do you see any teams on this table right now that you would consider playoff locks? I'll be honest. I think the top six are all locked. You think this is how these are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs at the end of the season are the teams that are in the top six as it sits. Not necessarily in this order, but these six teams are in. I think this is the top six. If I were to say one team could sneak in, mm-hmm. oh man, I really want to say Tormenta, but their schedule is so tough. So I would, I would have to say one Knox. One Knox could sneak in. Yeah. But as far as placement at the end of the season, I sh- I think Charlotte's going to rise. Oh, you think Charlotte's going to jump yeah, to they second have- place? Look at their remaining schedule. They have the easiest schedule going down going down the the last few weeks. Uh let's see. One Knox, Northern Colorado, Chattanooga, Lexington, Madison, One Knox again, Union Omaha, and Tormenta. It's not a it's not bad, but it's not necessarily easy. Yeah, so I, I don't want to say like it's it's easy, you know, because there's not easier really an easy than schedule here. other teams. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably fair. But I I think Charlotte can get to oh man, but I, but Union Omaha has a game in hand on them, mm-hmm. and Rising would have to take out either. Northern North Carolina or Union Omaha, and I don't want to do either of those. Mm-hmm. Man, I think I think it's going to come down to the very last day of the season when Union Omaha and Ford Madison play. Playing for position and playing for playoffs in yeah. general. Playing and for position, yeah. Because think about it. Yep. If think about Ford Madison winning on the last day of the season. Union Omaha would drop. Charlotte would go into second. And then Union Omaha and Ford Madison would have to play in the first round of the playoffs. Nope. Don't like that. Don't like that either. Don't like that. (laughs) Don't like that. But then again, I also don't know what Ford Madison looks like in the playoffs because I was not watching the league in 2019. (laughs) But. Sorry, Madison fans. I had to get at least one. It's been a while, okay? But on that note, too, um, Greenville, you guys suck, too. Because it is Greenville hate week for Union Omaha fans. (laughs) That was too damn good. (laughs) But I got... All right, I have one one more question here for you then, Rich. What is the more interesting race in your mind right now? The race for the top two? Or the race for the wooden spoon. Top two. Top two yeah. more interesting. I like it. I I would be interested if there were there was momentum happening 
at Central Valley or Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. But I mean, looking at their their run of play recently, Central Valley's lost four of their last five, and Chattanooga's lost three of their last five. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Central if, Valley also has two games in hand on Chattanooga. They do. So they could easily surpass Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And then if they do that, you also have to look at Lexington. And then you have to look at Richmond. Uh, Richmond's safe from the wooden spoon. Um, I, I will still maintain, I do not think that Central Valley is going to get the wooden spoon this year. I think Chattanooga is going to get it. Ooh, so you think they use those two games in hand uh, to sneak over them? Yeah. That's fair. That's probably fair. Let's do some more on-the-spot research here. So, Chattanooga has... Oh, they have one more home game than away games left in the season. So they have four away games left this season. And they've won one away game this season. Oh, boy. They're not winning any of those away games. So those four are out the window. So that that's an extra opportunity for Central Valley to to sneak in there. All right. Because Central Valley has five home and five away games left. And they have a better record than Chattanooga in both of those. I think I think Central Valley is gonna jump Chattanooga. I'm I'm I feel far more confident about Central Valley jumping Chattanooga than I do with the whole top three situation. All right. That makes sense. I can't argue with that logic, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think they're both very exciting. Um, I guess I just, I have a lot of, uh, I got a lot, a lot of high hopes for NCFC and Union Omaha to stay put, I guess. Yeah. So. Well, if we don't have anybody in the chat that wants to throw a question in, I'll give you guys another minute or two here to, Send that in if you haven't already. But either way, it's going to be really interesting to watch the last few weeks of the season. Because what are we in? 23? So, 24. We, week 24. Yeah, we're to week 24. Week 24 out of 32. Oh, I thought we were doing 31 weeks. Or 31. Is it 31? We play 32 matches, but I think we have 31 weeks. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not a whole lot of weeks left. <laughs> we're yeah. getting down to we're getting down to the wire here, which makes it interesting for us. We get to talk more playoff stuff as soon as that gets closer. Oh, um man. so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um Tim with Ranting Blue Penguin Media says last year Charlotte matches featured ninety six goals, uh forty eight, forty eight and thirty matches. Yep. And do you think Tormenta beats that in 30 matches this year? Tormenta's sitting at 43. Mm. 84 goal, or 83 goals in 24 matches is what Tormenta is sitting. So they would have to have 13. Goals for and goals against. Yeah. They'd have to have 13 in their last. How many do they have left? 
eight matches. Oh, they're going to beat that. <laughs> yeah, they're beating that. 13, yeah. 13 and 8. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think they'll beat that. Yeah. They're, they're scoring. Like, man, they're, yeah. They're scoring a lot. They're giving up a lot, too. Yeah. Um, let's see here. How many matches? Because this is also going to go into it. Oh, man. Why did I just lose it? Okay. So they have one, two, three matches left at home. Traditionally, where they are not very good. All the rest of them are away. Where they happen to be pretty good. So maybe the goals four end up being a little bit more because they have so many more away matches. But again, their stretch is not. It doesn't look too kind to them. Chattanooga, one Knox, NOCO, NCFC, one Knox, Richmond, Omaha, and Charlotte. So either way, yeah, there's going to be some goals scored. I I would I would go with you on that one. I feel like they can beat that number as well. Yeah. All right. Do we have any other questions coming in? Uh, no. That was no. that was the last one there. Cool. I'll give a heads up to everybody uh, out there who's watching and listening. If you've tried to send me a text message or a DM on social media, I apologize for not being able to respond or respond in a timely manner. My phone has been dead, literally dead. Like it's a, it's brick um, for the past like 48 hours. So I've been working straight off my, my phone or on on my watch here. So um, I'm going to be getting a new phone tomorrow. And after that, I'll be trying to play catch up with all the messages. So <laughs> good apologize for that. But I will be playing catch up soon. Perfect. Yeah. Outside of that, thank you for watching and listening to another episode of League One on the Rocks, man. We, like we said, we came in over prepared for this one. So we threw a lot of stats at, we threw a lot of topics, the discussions, but it was a lot of fun along the way, too. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be returning for another episode next week. Um, we'll try to be just as prepared, and we'll get those polls and all the social media um, posts out there. So thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys.